0: This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Thanks for sticking with us on a Thursday. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer joining you, priests from the Diocese of Fargo, from our Grand Forks studios. And before we head into our next segment, I want to invite you to visit our rep- website, especially if you haven't done so in a while, realpresenceradio.com. And you can see even more great content there. You can uh, leave a prayer request, uh, prayer intention. You can nominate <clears throat> your favorite priest for uh, a dozen donuts <laughs> for the honor of our Father. Uh, hint, honor are, our you, are you hinting here, Father Gross? <laughs> Just clearing my throat. That's <laughs> all it was. <laughs> also, we were talking about podcasts at the end of the last hour, so you can find one of those if you missed one of the day- Shows or also check the programming schedule uh, so that you're up to date with when your favorite programs air on Real Presence Radio each day. So that's realpresenceradio.com. And now we're going to go into a conversation about uh, one of the, I guess you would say, American literary giants and what he has to offer us today, the author O. Henry, as we have Nancy Gord back with us. Welcome back to Real Presence Live.
2: Well, thank you, Father.
1: And we also have joining us a colleague of ours from the Diocese of Fargo, Father William Slattery. Uh, Welcome to Real Presence Live.
3: Good morning, Father Gross. How are you?
1: Doing very well, yes. Now, Father Slattery, first of all, can you just kind of update us about um, uh, your background and where you have served and have been serving in our diocese?
3: Yeah, I'm a priest who's been ordained for uh, five years now, and uh, I've I'm currently serving as the chaplain of our high school and middle school in Fargo, Shanley and Sullivan. And uh, previous to that, I uh, was assigned to Holy Cross in West Fargo. And those have been my two assignments in these five years.
1: Okay. He's five years ordained already, Father Leffer. Can you believe it? They, they grow up so fast, don't they? <laughs> the, the gray hairs are coming. <laughs> <laughs> Probably mostly because of the clientele and not because of age, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go,
3: yeah. Clientele, COVID, whatever, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Nancy, if you can just uh, briefly remind us of, uh, of your background and, and where you're coming to us from.
2: Certainly. Well, I recently retired, well, this was actually a couple years ago, uh, from teaching. I taught for over 20 years in the Fargo Catholic School System. I'm, I'm still very active, however, in the areas, areas of reading and writing. I'm uh, a participant and teacher consultant for the Red River Valley Writing Project and a uh, big advocate of doing writing of all kinds, especially as of late, letter writing
1: very good and uh i remember uh, creative writing and or you know that's one of the various names of it being something that was really enjoyable in my own educational background uh today we are going to be talking about the author o henry um and uh i just want to set things up a little bit his um birth name was william Sidney porter born in 1862, died in 1910, so he only lived about as old as uh, Father Leffer and I are, and uh, we can uh, get into some of the details of his life, uh, perhaps when we have some time, but there are some particular stories, uh, short stories, that you're uh, both uh, hoping to uh, discuss with us today, so we'll turn things over to you and, and let you get us started.
2: Okay, well, I think a good place to start is the Retrieved Reformation. And when you look at the themes or the elements in the story, you have a young man who is released from prison, and he reforms himself because he has fallen in love with a banker's daughter. There comes a point in time, however, even though he is reformed, wants to hand over the tools of his trade, which is safe-cracking, He kind of reaches a climax in his life. Is he going to save a little girl from a safe? And because there is a detective who has been doggedly pursuing him is right there. If he saves the little girl, it means he will lose his freedom and be back in prison. And what is wonderful about this story is not so much that Jimmy Valentine, a.k.a. Ralph D. Spencer the Reformed, it isn't so much the choice he makes, because he does make a brave choice. It's the reaction of the detective, I think, which is inspiring.
1: Very good. What a great
2: setup. Yes, and it is. And it speaks of love and redemption and mercy. And Father, uh, Father, if you want to talk about the last leaf a little bit...
3: Yeah. So the last leaf uh, is is one of O. Henry's short stories, uh, and uh, I'd say the, the theme that comes out most in it is uh, kind of a consideration of the virtue of hope. And uh, and uh, what's a little summary of the of the book? It's uh, this little story is about uh, two two artists who live in the city of Greenwich. And they're working there. They kind of are, you know, it's just like the starving artist kind of theme um, that really flows forward. Um, And you get basically these two artists who are living together. They're two young women who are just uh, really uh, poor and trying to find a way in the world. And so uh, Sue and John's the other name. And uh, it's set in a time period where there's a, uh, in a real way, a kind of pandemic going around pneumonia is spreading mm-hmm. and so one of these artists uh john c uh she sees that her friend is, comes down with pneumonia and the friend is is really uh struggling with it the doctor is not very hopeful she says that the doctor says that uh there has to be some reason to live and uh and so as the this, uh, the artist is trying to help her friend who is ill She's going in to try and you know bolster her spirits, and she noticed that she's staring out the window, and uh, this this young girl uh, says that as the the tree outside loses all its leaves, that she'll she'll die at the end of this, and so it's kind of a consideration on the uh, resignation that comes with uh, with death as we experience death in isolation, um, and as the story unfolds, the this this uh, friend who's helping her ill companion, she goes to uh, a man who's also an artist living in the same apartment building. And this, uh, this man is kind of a, seen as a rough character, someone who's never really uh, succeeded in life. Um, his name is Berman. And uh, he's kind of a conflicted guy, a little bit of an alcoholic. Uh, and <clears throat> he goes up to try and uh, bolster and help out and saving this young girl, and uh, it kind of focuses on the scene of uh, that. At one point, the window is closed, and oh, through the night, and uh, the young girl who's suffering from pneumonia is really thinking she's going to die uh, because she expects this leaf to fall. And uh, as she looks at the window the next morning, there's only one leaf left on, and it's kind of wonderful because there's you know, a storm, and there's winds, and this one leaf remains, and as the days go by, this leaf is still there, it's still there, um, and she begins to get well. Um, it's also then seen that, that, uh, through the next couple of days, the, the figure Berman, he comes down with pneumonia, and he dies very quickly, and so there's kind of a self-sacrifice there. But, uh, but yeah, at the end of it uh it found out that Berman was the one who painted in the window from the perspective of the bed, uh this this leaf that uh became the symbol of hope for that uh that girl who is suffering. Mm-hmm.
1: Great, great. That's a, a beautiful description here, um of uh, uh, of of two of O. Henry's uh, best known stories. The you know,
4: um I was thinking about o, o Henry himself, you know, just the I mean I, there was one point in his life well he wrote over like three hundred and eighty one of these short stories. Right. And,
2: no, and every he every very one of the
4: Yeah, and every one of the has a twist, you know. And you know, I was thinking about both of these stories, or you can take any one, it's amazing how in such a short in such few words how it's almost like he captures the Paschal mystery with, within each <laughs> each one of these. And and kind of the, I guess you'd say that the surprise is always the resurrection or the new life that comes forth from what appears to be a complete wasted life or something. <laughs> and it, I, well, it, just, and it, it struck me Berman, how it, it often it, it, it shadows his own life, you know, his own story,
2: actually. Oh, absolutely. And uh, along with that, well, one thing about The Last Leaf, too, is that with Berman, who is a failed artist, he's, like 60-something, and that last leaf that he painted so that Johnsy would have hope and some initiative to live was his masterpiece. I mean, that, that was his lasting legacy, even though it cost him his life, because he had painted it in some very um, terrible weather when pneumonia was making its way around the populace of Greenwich Village. But you know what I thought of so much with both of these stories is the fact that the parable about the talent, that if God has given you talent, they're not meant to be buried and hidden. I mean, whether you're a safe cracker, also known as a yeg in slang, and you can use that talent, even though he used to use it for criminal purposes, to save the life of a child, you must. And in Berman's case, he used his artistic talents to paint the leaf. So I thought of that parable a great deal too. Reading these two stories,
4: you know, if you think about it, like his greatest masterpiece is actually the the life of of the girl, you know, the young lady. I mean, that,
2: oh no, he does save her. You, you
4: know what I'm saying? It's like yeah, the little leaf on the brick, but it the, it's actually comes to life. And so like your your point that you're making. in in our lives we think these talents we've been given that somehow they're there to to profit or to get people's approval or adulate whatever but probably 90 percent in our life we use the things that god has given us and it's really none of our business what they do what they become or how they like they talk about the butterfly effect you know that you have no idea what you did today and how God uses you to, and it and goes out and it causes resurrection in other places. Or I guess if you're doing it evil way, it could cause, cause destruction as well. Mm-hmm. But it's, th- I think that's why his short stories are so powerful because they get you thinking so deeply and it's just a simple little thing that happens, yeah. but it, it affects dramatically.
3: And I think, yeah. uh, especially with the last leaf in that scene too, there's, it starts off with this consideration of artists not really making any money or in the, the idea of what success means. Uh, and at the end, I mean, in a real way, you know, what's more more valuable, you know, with your artist that you can save someone's life or you know, earn more money. <laughs> and there's a wonderful way that right. Berman really is a very successful person in the end
1: well we've been visiting and for those who are just joining us here in real presence live with nancy gord and father william slattery about uh, just two of o henry's beloved short stories and the lessons that they can teach us so we'll be coming right back after this break with more of this conversation please stay with
0: us on real presence live this is real presence live where the focus is not on the evil around us but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good we're local engaging and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.
2: From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco.
1: In today's crowded higher education field, there's one university whose quality and personal care stands out from the crowd, the University of Mary. The University of Mary offers truly affordable, flexible adult education because your success is our priority. Here, you matter, and we're with you every step of the way to make sure you succeed. Choose a university community that cares about you as a student for life. Discover us at online.umary.edu slash discovermary.
0: You're listening to Real Presence Live! Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer
1: joining you from our Grand Forks studios. Just a quick reminder that if you're unable to catch our programs as they air live during the week, we have encore presentations of Real Presence Live on Saturdays beginning at 6 a.m. Central, 5 a.m. Mountain Time, with the programs in order throughout the week. So that's one more opportunity
4: to catch up on what you may have missed. So, Father Gross, this this is stimulating. We should have uh, Father Slattery and Nancy on, like for like three hours every time. So, okay. So, Nancy, could you could you maybe take us in? What, what role does irony have to do uh, with with this great author O. Henry and these stories? How does how does that come out?
2: Well, according to the author of How to Read Literature Like a Professor, uh, irony will trump anything. So if a literary work has irony, you really have to discuss it and investigate it. Now, with O. Henry, and I've said this many times to colleagues, I think is one of the best people to use to teach the concept of irony, especially for young people who are having a hard time grasping that abstract. And it's because of the twist at the end of the stories and what you expect back to happen as in a retrieved reformation, but you really want to happen is have the detective arrest Jimmy Valentine and take him to prison, but say, look, because you saved the life of a little girl and, and put your own freedom in jeopardy, I'll, I'll try to speak up for you to the judge, get you a lighter sentence. But he doesn't do that. He does something else altogether. So, and,
4: and you know, and it leaves open the question. You know, I wondered did did he actually go back to the family because the family obviously knew who he was then. You know, did well, so did it, did the it, love ever happen? Did the marriage ever happen?
2: I am going to say because it's so Henry and oh you know, Henry <laughs> does like happy endings. I would say yes, they live happily there you ever go. after.
4: Okay, so Father Father Slattery, can you bring it? So, um, in, in, at least in my mind way of thinking. O'Henry and and, uh, Flannery O'Connor and their stories are are very similar, but they take very different kind of ending expressions, but they kind of use the same, you know, irony. Could you help our audience? What's the difference between these two authors? And if, because they're, you know.
3: They're very different, yeah. Uh, And, you know, Nancy and I have have had lots of conversations about Flannery O'Connor, especially over the years. Um, And particularly, you know, I think she classifies O'Henry as kind of being more sentimental, not being sentimental, being kind of just flowery and emotional, but more positive. Right? He he has a, a just a general uh, goodness that he recognizes in human nature. Where Flannery o. Connor writes in a specific style, it's Southern Gothic, and there there's more of a, a thematic of the grotesque and in a certain way the the brokenness of human nature in in that style. And so they they are dramatically different, but where they do come together is they both they both deal with irony a lot, and it, uh, as she says, uh, I think uh, was, are you quoting Foster there with how to read all
2: Foster when Foster says yeah. irony yeah. trumps everything. I think yeah. I think to with Flannery and it's it's one of she always considered herself in terms of her literary style and the way she approached writing to be a Christian realist, mm. but because of that aura of the grotesque and the violence, oftentimes. It, it's just hard for a lot of people to sort of wade through that, to yeah. see really what she thought was redemption through grace.
4: Yeah. In, in a certain way, Flannery O'Connor is almost like a modern-day shock jock. You know what I mean?
2: Oh, definitely. And
4: we're... we're uh, uh, Oh, Henry, he, he it's a twist. It's an ironic twist, but it, his are generally positive and they leave you very kind of hopeful in a certain way, even though there's something really negative that's happened. Where with her, I mean, if you don't have some maturity to deal with what she's presenting, you could have a pretty negative conclusion. Well, and it,
2: it it can, many people can find when they read her that her work is disturbing. Now, that doesn't mean It's not provocative, and it doesn't inspire, you know, discussion and investigation. But it it does tend to be dark, where O. Henry does not have that sort of, I don't want to say gloom, that's not the correct word I'm looking for, but his stories tend to be more positive, even if some things happen, like Berman, the artist, dies of pneumonia after painting this leaf. In horrible weather, when the illness is going around, that's very sad. But what happens is that it doesn't haunt you. You get Mm. tears in your eyes because you did a wonderful thing Mm -hmm. to inspire a a woman with hope for her future and give her the desire to live
4: father slattery so i think i think o henry was episcopalian you know it's obviously he had faith because it comes through in his stories but what how, how do you can you help our listeners like how do you recognize like the paschal mystery or the themes of the christian faith and his short stories
3: well i'm i'm kind of trained as a moral theologian so that <laughs> it kind of marks my lens of interpretation and one of the things that really impresses me about o. henry is uh i think with it, coming from his faith and understanding of the paschal mystery is is the the inherent goodness, and I think that does mark it. Of uh, you see that with you know Val- Jimmy Valentine, that you know the, he kind of he always insists a little bit on his innocence, and then it, you like his actions. Like even before, there, there's a there is a good naturedness to him mm-hmm. that isn't just completely deprived. Like you know he, he has just a little bit of money, but he still gives money to the poor. He gives to a poor man yeah. as, as he's going. Uh, by his day, um, you know, and and even like that transition that he slowly makes that he's drawn towards the good. He sees the the beautiful girl Annabelle uh, and and you know that is the motivation for his change. And I think there's a subtleness to to O. Henry's irony that's there of uh, that the reality of uh, you know his innocence being affirmed by the, the detective at the end is is uh, because of the reformation and how. The good draws us to moral reformation.
2: Yeah. Not
3: only just that he's a reformed prisoner, but he has been reformed. But it's kind of something that yeah. grows within us slowly, day by day.
1: Now, Nancy and Father, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention what, for many, at least, people as students, are a quintessential exposure to O. Henry. His famous short story, "The Gift of the Magi," and mm-hmm. uh, we think there as well about um, the desire of the two main characters to sacrifice, you know, to give of something dear to them, you know, for the sake of love for the other. So, could you just uh, reflect on that theme and uh, you know how um, how we experience it in that particular story.
2: It really makes you think of the nature of gift-giving, because each of them gives up the one thing most dear to him or her, Mm -hmm. a precious item, and again, it goes back to love. They love each other so truly, they're a struggling young couple, very much so. But I know in the case of Dallas, she just thinks that Jim deserves the very best because he's so hardworking and what can I give the man I love? And she gives up her long, luxurious hair, which of course will grow back. But it's the idea that I think to give, I don't know if I want to say a quality gift, but a meaningful gift from the heart is to give something that has great meaning and dearness to you. Yeah. And Any? that's what comes through in that story. And again, there is a surprise ending, but mm-hmm. uh, because he has given up the one thing he has the value to get her beautiful combs for her long dark tresses. So, uh, no, it, there's very sweetness about that one again. If you want to talk about this, it's kind of quintessential to me. Oh, Henry, the gift of the magi.
4: You know, and I'd say in that if, again, according to the listener or the reader, if if you're coming from a Christian perspective, you immediately identify with the sacrifice of Christ and redemption. But if you're coming from a worldly perspective, and maybe you're bitter or cynical, you might look at that and say, I, I knew it. I knew this faith thing was just, or love Love is meaningless. Look at that. They both, you know, I'm always struck about how like an author like O. Henry, these stories as they present based on your own faith perspective or where you are, it can be something that you confirms the negative, or it can be something that it just lifts you up to the positive.
2: Absolutely. Well, and, and too, with looking at it with a Christian viewpoint, I referenced Foster's book earlier when I used his quote, Irony Trumps Everything. But he has a great chapter in that book about Christ-like characters in literature. Mm-hmm. And uh, the characteristics, there are some of those characteristics in in both Jimmy Valentine and Behrman in the last Leaf* that they're willing to go all out and sacrifice freedom or one's health or one's safety for love and concern for another.
1: Wonderful. Well, uh, uh, any uh, Father Slattery, any uh, final thoughts about um, this author? Just sort of like a final pitch for our listeners, um, you know, to, uh, to to promote him.
3: Oh, I think uh, just an encouragement to, to read O. Henry. I think uh, for for those who might balk at uh, picking up some of the bigger, more classic books of literature, this is a great way to just kind of wade into uh, some really good considerations of human nature and, and stories and that are provocative and help you to kind of consider the greater meaning of life. Um, and as we say, we even these Christian understandings and how they apply to our life.
1: That way you're not, like you say with the short stories, you don't feel like you're sinking into some huge tome. That's going to take a long time to, to plow through. So no, it's yeah, no, always good. Right. No, it's,
2: it's not, Reading um O Henry and I think that Crime and Punishment is a very important book, but it's not like going through a very heavy, deep tome like that. Uh, because O Henry's stories are very thought provoking as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Yeah, all due respect to Dostoyevsky. So, <laughs> oh,
2: and trust me, I give due respect to him.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, Father Slattery and Nancy, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, visit with us today, and we look forward to more great discussions in the future.
3: All right. Well, great. thank you.
2: Yes, would Thanks. you like to know the next title yes. we're planning to discuss?
1: Please do, yes.
2: The next one is Just Mercy by Bryan Stevenson. So maybe yeah, our listeners great- can,
1: can read, read it before we discuss mm-hmm. it. And that was made into a motion picture recently, correct? Yes,
2: it was. Okay, yes.
1: very good. Yes, we will. You, you have whetted our appetites sufficiently. Thank you very much, and have a blessed day.
2: Oh, you as well. You
1: too. All right. Well, after this break, we'll be visiting with one of our local shepherds from the Diocese of Winona, Rochester. Bishop Quinn will be with us after this
0: break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live